This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Happy Wednesday already. Already. Do you like short work weeks or not? Um, yeah, when I have Friday off, not Monday off. I'd rather have Friday than Monday <laughs> off, but uh, can't do that because we got to talk Utah Jazz basketball. Jake was up all night. His right forearm is worn out. Yes. After Chet Holmgren put on a show at the Utah Jazz Summer League. We'll talk about Chet and the Summer League. Uh, what is Danny Ainge doing? What does Danny Ainge have left to do? And is he going to buy out Pat Bev? We got to talk about that. Huge Pac-12 news for you. Should Utah and BYU play football and basketball every single season? Got to talk about that. Tufts University says you're fat. Fat. Hey, Chubbs. Uh, And one of the main questions we have to ask today, and I think it's a really important question, is how influential... Our guys like us, podcast hosts, radio hosts, guys like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan said something yesterday in an interview that I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Really, really important. We're going to play that from Joe. Um, And we want to have a real conversation about how influential podcasts and radio shows are in your life. But without further ado... Let's talk about the Utah Jazz because one of the interesting things that's come up over the last few days, and really it's been over the last few weeks, is the anxiety level and the level of fear that we are seeing from Utah Jazz fans, whether it is that the Jazz are not doing enough, whether it is that the Jazz are doing um, you know, the wrong kinds of things. Anxiety levels are high, Jake, and I don't know, is it founded or warranted to be concerned about what the Utah Jazz are doing? No, I mean, I, I don't think it's founded or warranted, I, 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 but I do think it's what naturally happens because you're in a place where you've never been as a Utah Jazz fan. You, you have someone operating in your front office who clearly knows what he's doing um, and is unemotional about uh, the players uh, that he's moved out uh, and the players that he's brought in very clearly. And I think that, you know, what has Jazz fans, uh, you know, sort of in an uh, anxious place is that nothing is happening with the Kevin Durant situation or the DeAndre Ayton rumored trade or really anything at this point. And Summer League's getting going. And, and what I would say is that it's good news that Summer League is getting going because a lot of deals and a lot of conversations are going to happen during Summer League. And I think that you will see progress made, but you have to understand that this is a process and takes time. So I don't think that the anxiety and like the worries uh, are warranted, but I do understand why as a, uh, a Utah Jazz fan, you may feel that way because you're just unsure. You're wondering, well, why is there lack of action? Why are we just sitting here? Why does it feel like we're dragging our feet? I totally get it. But at the same time, you have to understand that the Brooklyn Nets ultimately are in control right now of what the Utah Jazz are doing in the sense that Danny Ainge is not going to go and make a bunch of deals while he's trying to make something happen uh, that is you know, somewhat connected to the Kevin Durant situation. So that's why I say it's just timing. It's just, it's just something that has to play out. So I would tell Utah Jazz fans that they need to you know, relax a little bit here and sort of 
just enjoy the offseason. But I, I think that it, it, when you're a Utah Jazz fan, patience is not something that, that you're really good at. You want to know, what's our team going to be? Are we rebuilding or are we retooling? And once again, I would tell you, you're retooling. And I think Danny Ainge is guiding the Utah Jazz in the correct direction. Uh, I'm someone who believes that Danny Ainge is, has done a great job this offseason. And I think that, you know, again, you're just in the middle of the process. And that's pretty much where I think uh, where I think the Jazz are at right now. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. Shout out to Cody Strickland, a $2 tip this morning to start us off. Appreciate you Thank very you. much, Cody. He says $2 shout out to the best sports show. Uh, appreciate that. Um, again, I want to uh, mention a drinking and cigar journey with Eric Letham who sends us 99 cents in a super sticker. Appreciate you, bud. Good morning to everybody on the program this morning as we talk Utah Jazz basketball. And one of the things I think is is very interesting, and one of the things I think is really important is that you have a guy in Danny Ainge who's here for a very specific reason. There is no question in my mind that Danny Ainge is here to do exactly what he's doing. I would tell you to take it easy. We are far from done as far as Utah Jazz moves go. Whether that is DeAndre Ayton, whether that is another center, the single biggest need, I think, remaining for the Utah Jazz is to upgrade their front court. They've got to put size back onto this roster. Obviously, um, you know, the two guys who played the predominant amount of minutes at center, uh, Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside. Hassan. Whiteside are both no longer on the roster. Right. Um, you have a guy in in Rudy Gay who I'm not convinced the Utah Jazz want him on the roster after all the issues they had with him last year. Um, and your other depth guys in the front court essentially aren't here anymore. Eric Pascal, Juanacho uh, Hernan Gomez, those guys are gone now. So you have got to upgrade size. You have got to get probably at least two centers, at least two guys who can play four, who can play five. You have a lot more work to do, and I am convinced that Danny Ainge is the right guy to do that. So when we talk about anxiety levels and we talk about what the Jazz are trying to do, the Jazz are in the marketplace. The Jazz are very busy. I was told yesterday by one of my NBA sources that the Phoenix Suns are the busiest team in the NBA right now, right behind them, the Utah Jazz, trying to get deals done to improve this roster. And I don't think there's any doubt that the next 10 days are going to go a long way to determining what this next season looks like. Because don't forget, tomorrow we kick off, or excuse me, tip off, right. NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. So you're going to see that a lot of business gets done in Las Vegas, and that's because it's the Mecca. It is the biggest event of the offseason the Las Vegas Summer League. Every year that we go to the Summer League, we have important conversations in corridors, in elevators, in hallways, in a buffet line. Business gets done in Las Vegas every single summer. Is that where Sean Marks is going to go to make a, a, a Kevin Durant trade? I think there's a real good chance that you're going to see Sean Marks and a guy like a Rob Palinka, the general manager of the LA Lakers, talking, sitting, meeting, conversing, about Kyrie Irving. Hey, Sean, what's your level of interest in a Russell Westbrook? Hey, what about if we did, you know, like yeah. sitting together, actually hammering out agreements? That happens at NBA Summer Leagues. And, and I can tell you more than once, I've walked through the corridor in the tunnel between the two arenas in Las Vegas, and there are guys in, in doorways. There are guys in elevators, and there are guys in, in, you know, where the buses pull in, standing off to the side, leaning on a pillar, 
sipping a bottle of water, having a really important conversation. You're going to see that happen in Las Vegas. And I do think that's where the, the hammering out of the Kevin Durant trade is going to happen, in my opinion, because I think too much time has passed and there are too many offers. And right now, I think Sean Marks has to really, you know, cut out all of the noise and get to a place where he can make a deal. And Jake, I have no doubt that that's going to be going to be in Las Vegas. And I have no doubt that the biggest needs for the Utah Jazz are in the front court. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that the 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 Brooklyn Nets, uh, once again, it needs to be said, are just in this position where they can't mess this up. Uh, if you're the if you're Sean Marks in the Brooklyn Nets, you can't afford to miss on this. You got to get the most you can get in return on this deal. And and that, again, to get back to the point of, like, what is Danny Ainge doing right now, that process for the Brooklyn Nets is what has kind of slowed down, you know, Danny Ainge in, in making moves and in doing things. Because, again, timing's everything. You don't want to make a deal. If you're Danny Ainge, you don't want to make a deal and then have the Kevin Durant trade go down and then be in a bad spot. You're never going to put yourself in that position. What you're going to do instead is you're going to go to Summer League. You're going to have a bunch of conversations. You're going to solidify your position within the trade as best you can. And then Sean Marks is simply going to make a decision. And that decision will cause waves around the league, good or bad, depending on who you are. And then you're just going to have to deal with it. So that's why I say as a Utah Jazz fan, you just have to hold your water a bit here. You just have to wait and see what happens because that's ultimately where the entire league is at. Again, it needs to be said. When's the last time a Kevin Durant-level player got traded? I can tell you it's when LeBron was on ESPN deciding where he was going to go. Now, that was free agency, obviously, not a trade. But I'm just saying, like, that's the last time a guy of this caliber moved around the league. So I just think it, these things take time, and you have to be patient with it. Yeah, and I, I also think when you look at what Danny Ainge has to get done in Las Vegas for the Utah Jazz— I don't think there's any doubt it's front court, and I, I would love to see your your thoughts in the comments. What do you think the single biggest need for the Utah Jazz is? I think when you look at power forward and the prominence of that 3-4 combo position, I think when you look at what's on this roster now, obviously you acquired Jared Vanderbilt. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's a guy that you would think is going to get some minutes, but you also have Boyan Bogdanovich, but I, I much more place Boyan Bogdanovich right now in that three spot than I do a three, you know, a four, five. He's certainly not a five. Boyan Bogdanovich at this point in his career, in my opinion, is a catch and shoot three. That's how I look at Boyan. That's how I value him. Um, he is not particularly good at defending the wing. And in today's NBA, you have power forwards that are built very differently. You have a guy, and look at the show that Chet Holmgren put on last night. Mm -hmm. That's a guy that is probably going to be a four or five combo guy. Can Boyan Bogdanovich stay with a Chet Holmgren? Can he stay with a Zion Williamson? Um, when you look at what is going on around this league, you're going to run into four or five guys like a, you know, a, a, what's the right way to say? Not, not even a hybrid. Hybrid's the word I want to keep using. I always um, call but, them combo guys, like guys that can play different positions but also have elite size and, and can do a lot of different Jokic things. But look at Jokic in Denver. Yeah. If you look yeah. at Jokic in Denver, that's a guy who is a, a center, but he, he plays the 3-4-5 combo. Yes. Is Boyan Bogdanovich a guy you want guarding Nikola uh, uh, Jokic? Probably not. No. I don't think so. I You know, I, I look at the way that this league is going – and I, that's why I think you have to upgrade the the power forward. I that to me that is where I would start. I really would love to see an athletic power forward come into the fold here. Right. This is also why I say again, 
I think you you if you look at the way things worked out here, I think Danny Ainge won the Rudy Gobert trade. And I know this has been a significant topic of conversation and ESPN graded Danny Ainge an A and graded the Minnesota Timberwolves a D right. on that trade. And I think largely the D for the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, that taking that D. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the D. I'm a child. I, I, I would. Yeah, I agree. I'm a child. Uh, but I think the D for Minnesota is because you're now committing $463 million to Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert wow. in a league that is structured to have a guy like Carl Anthony Towns be a power forward, not a center. Right. It's a league where you have a guy like... Anthony Street closed Davis as right. a four, not a five. Anybody notice that the Lakers yesterday signed Thomas Bryant and assured him that he will he will likely be their starting center because Anthony Davis is going to play the four, not the five. So yeah. when you look at what the Jazz have and, and whether or not they won this deal, oh, I don't think there's any doubt they won the trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But they won it because they got younger and more athletic at, uh, at Jared Vanderbilt on the wing. But I still think you have to add a significant power forward, and I think you need to add two centers yeah. because I don't look at a guy in Jared Vanderbilt who's capable, A, of starting at the five. I don't think that's his where he currently is. He could absolutely be there. There's no doubt about that. But I think Vanderbilt is much more of a four or five combo guy, so you don't have a true center. And whether he plays 10 minutes or 35 minutes, you need a JaVale McGee-type player who can be a true number five, block shots, rebound the ball, and run the floor. And the Utah Jazz currently don't have that on their roster. Yeah. But I don't think, and I don't know what you think about this, I, I don't think there's any doubt the Jazz won the, the, the Minnesota trade. Yeah, I think they absolutely won the Minnesota trade. And, and I think, you know, one thing that doesn't get talked about when we're talking about who wins trades and what the Utah Jazz need and everything is development of the guys you already have. Because ultimately, if you think about it, He's exactly right. The Utah Jazz do need to go and get some bigs. That's why the DeAndre Ayton angle is such a hot thing right now because if they could go and get Ayton, that would obviously change their fortunes right now. That would be a big deal. But if you think about it, going and getting two bigs is going to require you to use assets. And I think what doesn't get talked about is the fact that you need guys like Jared Butler to be good this year. You need him to come off the bench right behind Donovan and not lose, you know, uh, not not have the game feel completely different when Don's not on the floor, you know? Like, you need the guys you have now to, to, to develop, to contribute, uh, and to be serviceable for you. Because if you can do that, you just put yourself in, in, in a much better position. And I also think that one of the things that, that Don, the one of the weights that Donovan Mitchell has to carry on this roster with where it is last season and now currently is that there isn't much behind him. What really was behind Donovan Mitchell? If you really think about it, are we going to sit here and say that Jordan Clarkson was behind Donovan Mitchell? Jordan Clarkson was behind everybody. He had one purpose on this team, but there is not like a grade A bona fide guy coming off the bench to, to stead Donovan Mitchell so he can get a breather. So that's why I say, yes, you need bigs, but you also got to develop the talent you have now. Well, and Donovan Mitchell has just tweeted, and I've already gotten it sent uh -oh. to me three times. Uh oh, He said, build you up to tear you down. Oh, God, here we go. And people are like, Machi, what does this mean? Whoa, he's going to hey the man. Knicks. Hey, man, what does this mean? Whoa. What, what, what's going on here? It's not the best situation, and we all know that. Look, I told you, Donovan demanded a trade. It's over. Whoa, he's going to the Heat. <laughs> 
I don't know what it means. So uh, Terry already sent me a DM like, hey, man, what do you think this means? I have no idea. I don't. Is he listening to a song? I have no idea what that means. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do not know. I have no idea. <laughs> but the point is, I think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety right now. Yes. Man. Like it, there there is no doubt about that. Um Let's uh, let's get some of your comments in here. Uh, a drinking and cigar journey with Eric Leatham says Utah should use their trade exception for Cam Reddish or Jalen Johnson. I've heard a lot about Cam Reddish. Yeah, a lot of people. The problem is, I think Cam's pretty limited. Um, I mean, there's a reason that Atlanta moved him to New York. I I, I mean, I'm not going to say they gave up on him. But they felt he was expendable because I think Cam's just limited. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, to me, right now, you you can't really do a lot until you make a, it, this this trade or you, you, you know, essentially you're in or you're out on DeAndre Ayton. Once you get some clarity on that deal, I think then you can move on. Right. Um, because, again, I, I feel very certain that the Utah Jazz um, will be able to acquire DeAndre Ayton if they want to. Um, I think they have the draft capital from the Minnesota trade. I think they will be able to acquire DeAndre Ayton if they'd like. Uh, Neville 93, good morning to you, friend. He says, good morning, lads. What a game last night. Basura. Yeah. Basura. Right. Which is como se dice for garbage. Yeah, casual. Uh, you know. Uh, good morning, Mesh. Good to see you. Uh, Brett Robbins says, I picture Danny sitting in a hot tub fishing tomatoes. Falling off his sandwich like Eddie Griffin induced Bigelow with a wireless phone on speaker just shooting the breeze to whoever, whatever GM wants to talk. Bro, what are you talking about, man? And there's like a cigar in the thing and, you know. Uh, Pudge NYC, good morning to you, friend. Good to see you. Mesh says, what do you think of Conley and Boyan for Tobias Harris? Mm. Tobias Harris is making a lot of money. Um, you know, Tobias Harris is a nice player. Is, I, I just don't, I, I don't know if that's a huge enough. improvement. Yeah. That, that's what I'm sitting here yeah. thinking. Is Tobias Harris a huge improvement? Just so we're all clear, he's making $37.5 million a year. Like, he's not making little guy money. He's making big boy money. Yeah, I, I don't I don't love that. I, I don't love that. Uh, Jake R. says, good morning. Let's see some off-season movement today. Everybody's thirsty. Yes. Everybody that's is saying, thirsty. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm not criticizing Jazz fans for being thirsty, but at the same time, like, you got to understand that, that, that like, a week from now, if they've acquired DeAndre Ayton and, and the roster's looking amazing, you're going to look back and be like, man, we should have just been patient. Like, this is a process. It's playing out. Like, we, we shouldn't be losing our wig over here because it's been because Sean Marks decided to take the weekend to think about his options, you know? Like, because that's essentially what's happened by all reports. Then the, the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks took the weekend to, to look at the table or look at their big board, if you will, and see what deals they have in place, which, by the way, I have to say, I agree with. You have so many options and deals and things that you could do here. You have to have a grip on them all. And not only do you have to understand what the trade is and how the numbers work and everything, you got to understand how that impacts you moving forward. Yes. And, and I think that's it's just a lot of information that you have to look at. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I just think it's one of those things where you have to find a way to be patient. You have to find a way Which to be hard. patient. Which is hard. It's hard, um, man. Greg Hawkins, good morning to you. Um, he sends us $250 in Philippine money, which I think is $5. Is that um, true? Yes. Utah to the Big 12. Fingers crossed. Let's go. This is so funny. 
because how interesting is it now that Utah fans and, and Greg Hawkins is a big Ute, right. big Ute supporter, that Utah fans are like, we got to get to the Big 12 with BYU right now. <laughs> We're going to talk. <laughs> we are going to talk a ton about that for sure. Caleb says, does DeAndre Ayton want to go to Utah? Um, I think DeAndre Ayton wants to get paid. And Caleb, it's interesting you bring this up because one of the things I've heard uh, from sources around the NBA is that DeAndre Ayton's going to have a tough time getting a max extension from anybody right now. Yeah. Because of the financial landscape and what's happened over the last couple of weeks, you're seeing that a lot more teams are tied on the purse strings. And the Utah Jazz are actually one of the few teams who can do a sign-and-trade financially now because they've cleared a pretty good amount of space. I mean, they have $11 million in luxury tax threshold right now. They have enough um, room to make that deal. Right. And if they are able to send out um, you know, a Mike Conley to a Dallas or a Mike Conley to the Clippers, which is another thing that I was asked about yesterday, hey, is Mike Conley – you know, really, you know, interested in Dallas. I think Mike Conley would love to be in Dallas or LA. Um, so I do think those are two viable landing spots for Mike. But the bigger question for me is, what is what is the Andre Ayton's value? Because one of the things I know that Danny Ainge is steadfast against is being the guy that sets the market. <laughs> Danny Ainge doesn't want to be the guy who determines DeAndre Ayton's value. Danny Ainge wants to be the guy that's going to tell DeAndre Ayton what his value is. And he's going to say, hey... We're not going to give you $30 million a year because I think there are some wild speculation about what DeAndre Ayton's asking for. I think DeAndre Ayton would very much like to be a, a 28 to $30 million a year guy. Yeah. And I am pretty convinced that the Jazz don't want DeAndre Ayton to be a 28 to $30 million a year guy. And so it's going to be interesting to see, hey, is it a one-year deal where he's on a prove-it deal? I would love that. I would love to see a motivated DeAndre Ayton in a contract year. Yeah. I would truly love to see that. Yeah. Because his meltdown in Phoenix last year where he got benched in the playoffs, that damaged his value. There's no doubt about that. And there's also no doubt that if you give DeAndre Ayton a five-year deal, let's say, or if you give DeAndre Ayton even a three-year deal, you're taking a pretty significant risk because this is a guy that is, is soft. This is a guy that is somebody who collapsed under the 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 expectations of being one of the fundamental reasons that the Phoenix Suns won a championship. Right. He folded, they folded, he took a lot of heat and a lot of blame for that. Is that a guy you want to hand 5 years and 150 million dollars to? Probably not. And so it's one of those things where you have to kind of figure out, hey, where are you at on DeAndre Ayton? And I think it's a huge question, Jake. And and I don't know. I I I. But I will again say I'm pretty convinced that Danny Ainge doesn't want to be the guy setting that market. Yeah, and I think if again, you know, looking at this, I think the question that has to be asked is: Is DeAndre Ayton a better value? Again, hear me clearly: Is DeAndre Ayton a better value for what you're getting than Rudy Gobert was for what you're getting? Because that's ultimately what I think is going to be the question if this deal gets done. Like, if you bring DeAndre Ayton in, the first question everyone's going to ask is, hey, well, you've essentially traded the Rudy Gobert money. You got all these guys back. You went and used some of those picks and assets to get DeAndre Ayton. So, essentially, you've you've turned Rudy Gobert into DeAndre Ayton, and you're going to obviously pay DeAndre Ayton less money. I think the impact on the floor and how it feels will be really interesting because, as, as he was just pointing out, 
there shouldn't ha- there shouldn't be an issue around DeAndre Ayton being motivated or wanting to put numbers out on the floor or like or like proving his worth. This is somebody who 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 was a top end draft pick, like supposed to be the guy, everybody's cup of tea, and has been a little bit of a letdown if you really think about it. Yes, he's been good, but he hasn't been as good as I think people thought he would be, and that's the problem. So I just think that you know, as soon as the DeAndre Ayton deal gets done, presuming it gets done, that would be the question I would ask. And my opinion is, I think I would rather have Ayton on less money than Gobert on what his current deal is. I, I do think I would want that because that gives me more flexibility across the roster. So that's probably where I'd come down on that. But ultimately, what matters is winning. Does this team inside of the next three years with Danny Ainge at the helm, with Don at the helm on the floor, does this roster get to the Western Conference Finals inside of three years? That's what matters. Well, think about some of the names that are on these rookie ex- exceptions, these contracts where they got max extensions mm-hmm. um, to their rookie deal. I mean, you're talking about guys like Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Bam Adebayo, Donovan Mitchell, like cemented stars All in this it. league, right? Like guys that you can hand the basketball to and say, hey, go win me a game, kid. Yes. Like, you can do that. And when you look at centers, I mean, Bam Adebayo probably is the best example of a guy who can do enough to earn that extension. DeAndre Ayton isn't half the defender that Bam Adebayo is. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Ayton doesn't play with the intensity that a Bam Adebayo plays at. I'm fine to extend Bam Adebayo. I am not fine to extend DeAndre Ayton to that extent. And I think that's the question that the Jazz have to answer is, how do you justify paying DeAndre Ayton, Bam Adebayo money. And I don't I don't know the answer to that question. When you look at the the list of these other guys, it's guys like Jamal Murray. It's guys like MPJ. It's guys like Ben Simmons. Well, Jason MPJ, MPJ falls into the Ayton category. I think there's still questions about MPJ. Yeah, but I don't know? I think it, the questions are can he stay healthy? The yeah. questions are not will he produce? Michael Porter Jr. has produced when you put the ball in his hands. Jamal Murray's another guy. He's produced for sure. Absolutely, but now he's got this knee thing. And supposedly, by the way, he's ready to rock and roll. He looks fantastic on court. He's playing five on five again. Like, he looks fantastic. But you look at the other, you know, the the elephant in the room here is Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns just signed a massive extension. Is that a guy that you'd rather have instead of DeAndre Ayton? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So when we're talking about extending DeAndre Ayton or doing a sign-in trade, I think, I well, I don't think I know, and I've been told directly by two NBA sources that one of the biggest problems in doing a sign-in trade with DeAndre Ayton is DeAndre Ayton's expectation of what you're going to pay him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Danny Ainge has to be very careful for because or very careful with because I don't think you want any more than 12, 15% of your salary cap tied up in a center. And clearly with what they've dealt with, with the Rudy deal, again, all due respect to Rudy, not really about him, just about what he was getting paid with what you had to deal with with that. I I would guess that there's a lot of uh, hesitancy around paying guys that much. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. You know, I, I just, it's a very interesting time. Yes. When you look at, at, at what's going on, I think it's a very interesting time. Uh, Cody Strickland says, I would love to see Don working with Blake Griffin. 
I think Blake is a role player on a championship caliber team. Yeah. I, I think that's where he is. Good morning, Jeremy Bolton. Good to see you, my friend. Um, Dominion Small says, it's a retool. Why would Ainge rebuild in his 60s? I don't know that Danny's age has much to do with it. I mean, no. for my money anyway, I, I, I just don't see that. Uh, Giggity says, good morning, guys. Sounds like Donovan is switching to a career of construction now. Yeah, this, it's funny looking at this Donovan <coughs> Mitchell tweet. And how many people are just up in arms about it? Oh, my God. He tweeted something. That means he's leaving the Utah Jazz. The comment section on this tweet. Um, I hope you don't leave, bro. Donovan Mitchell tweeted, build you up to tear you down. Right. I don't think it's in reference to the Jazz. I really don't. Uh, but uh, Alan Jedi Zog says, motivation, Donovan, motivation. Appreciate you and all you do. Cryptic tweets. Um, Dallas Amaker, block out all the noise, bro. Chippy, Miami will love you more than Utah ever did. Um, Kid Clutch, we love you, Donovan. Don't play all these haters. No, don't pay all these haters. No mind. You're welcome. Uh, New York Forever M just replies with a tweet that has a picture of Donovan in a Nick uniform. <laughs> uh, Zoe Butt Diff says, make it happen with a picture of Donovan in a heat uniform. You know, like, it's hysterical to me. Yeah, people just go crazy, dude. Like, every time he tweets, it's like, oh, God, he's leaving, Monty. What does this mean? Tell me what it means. I'm in your DMs, bro. Three Tell me what it means. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's not going anywhere, bro. Come on. I'm so tired of it. I'm and, so tired of it, bro. And again, I just go back to the idea of the jazz tearing it down and, you And know. I'm tired of I'm tired of all the narratives locally about about how, like, Donovan, you know, is 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 unhappy because Johnny Bryant wasn't hired or like the Utah Jazz front office is sending messages to Donovan by Come not on. handling the offseason exactly as he would. Like, get out of here, bro. Like, it's just not it's all speculation and, and yeah. I, I just feel like again, I'm I'm totally open and I love having the conversation around you know, what's your opinion on on what the Utah Jazz actions say they're doing as far as rebuild or retool? I'm open to that conversation. My opinion is is that they are retooling. I think that you had to move the Rudy contract because it, it basically handicapped you. You couldn't really do anything else until that money was clear. So I don't view that move as we're rebuilding and tearing it down. No. I view it as a necessity to get to where you want to go, which, again, I'll just keep saying is the Western Conference Finals right now. Ultimately, obviously, to win a championship, but you can't get to the NBA Finals without the Western Conference Finals. So to me, the Rudy thing was just a, a product of, hey, we got to move this money to start making things happen. Happen. So that's why I say I'm open to the retool rebuild discussion. I'm not open to, hey, Don's leaving and the Jazz don't want him and they're sending all these messages. I just think that's fantasy land, man. Oh, boy. Brett Robbins breaking Brett news Robbins. right here on the Monty Show. Here we show. go. Donovan Mitchell to the Shanghai Sharks confirmed with that tweet. Wow. Dude. Wow. He's going to play with the J-I-M-M-E-R. John, I mean, <laughs> Wow. Wow, wow, Donovan Mitchell going to the Chinese Basketball Best. League. Wow. Brett Robbins put it in the comments. It must be true. Rack attack. James Knight said, you guys are so condescending. Yeah, we are. We are. We yeah, are. we are. Hullabilly, good morning. Other fans just want our guys so bad. But that's the thing with the Heat. Are the Heat really trading Bam Adebayo so that they can, you know, like, they don't have cap space to yeah. 
Like, does anybody think that Tyler Hero, who, by the way, did anybody see Tyler Hero get broken off at his camp yesterday? <laughs> he got, like, triple-crossed at his own camp yesterday. It was not good. Anyway, Tanner says, also, Rudy can't take criticism. No, he can't. Uh, I totally agree with that. Um, Dylan Walters, what are the chances of Kyrie to Utah and teaming up with Don? Zero. Yeah. I would say zero. Uh, Ryan Buckley, good morning, friend. He says, Danny has never lost a trade. I don't think ever in the history of trades. He's made some Buddy knows what he's doing. Hullabilly says, Kessler can make a three here and there, but he needs to develop his shot to be effective in the NBA. Yeah, and I don't think he's playing in Summer League, by the way. I could be wrong about that. I, I, I thought somebody said he wasn't going to play in Summer League, but we'll see. Uh, Brett Robbins, we are not rebuilding. We have two to three years for Kessler to develop. I would agree. I don't think you're rebuilding. And, and that's what I mean. So if, if the plan is, again, and this, and this is the part of the conversation I love, if the plan is and the strategy is, hey, we're going to develop Kessler, okay, great, then you don't need to go and get some dynamic big like Aiton. You need to get some backup for Kessler. Yes. But if the plan yeah. is, hey, we're gonna we're just going to go all in on Kessler, we're going to deal with some of the rookie issues that every rookie deals with in the league, but ultimately he's going to be the guy, okay, I'm cool with that. But damn, you better have perimeter defense. You better have scoring on the wing. Like you better solidify that side of the floor so Kessler can afford to be crappy for a year. Yeah, like that's I'm you open. You don't to have that. a choice. Yeah. yeah. Tanner says, speaking of Jamal Murray, when's he coming back? I believe he is good to go <laughs> starting in training camp. So yeah, uh, Brett Robbins. Let's not forget him calling for the ball in the post every play and crying that he didn't get touches. Are you talking about Rudy? There? Yes. Uh, Jordan Nelson says, so under that logic, LeBron is the most mentally weak player in the game. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I I'm feel not like really we're, sure which, we're walking which into logic we're you know. referencing. Yeah. Uh, George Mashikia says jazz need Ananobi and Turner. OG Ananobi's a great player as a complimentary piece, but I'd love to have him on the club. I would, I would love to have him. And Toronto supposedly is open to moving him. Alex Chacon says, can we make Rudy trade official today or do we have to wait till the eighth? Yeah, I believe it is the, the eighth or the ninth. Probably is the eighth. Uh, Bucho Rainwater. What's up, Bucho? Bucho! Raining uh, and stuff. What do we think about our new coach? I love Will Hardy. I mean, that's the guy I think I said pretty early on. That's the guy I would hire. Yeah, we told you June 6th that they're, you know, that was the guy they were going to go after. And I think that I think he's a great hire. I think he's young. He's energetic. I think he's got an idea of what he wants to do. And, and I got to tell yeah. you, not that it's any surprise he's at Summer League, but I love the fact that he's sitting there courtside watching these guys. I mean, I, I think it's, it's just it's proper and it's what – he should be doing. And again, whether it's Kessler, Jared Butler, or anybody else, these guys need to be developed and turned into NBA contributors. Yeah, let's talk about Patrick Beverly real quick because one of the big rumors going around is that the Utah Jazz are buying out Patrick Beverly's contract. Um, 13 million bucks, they acquired him in the uh, Rudy trade. I don't know why this makes sense because I just don't think it makes sense. He clearly has value around the league. I think if you buy him out, um, my guess is he ends up in Dallas. Um, but I could also see him, I could see him in a number of places. The thing that concerns you is buying him out means you get nothing for him and he becomes a free agent. Why would you do that when you know very clearly, and this is my opinion anyways, and yeah. maybe I'm wrong, um, but I don't see that the Utah Jazz should buy him out. I see the Utah Jazz should trade him. I absolutely could see flipping him. And again, I think the perfect landing spot for him is in in Phoenix. Why would you buy him out when you can put him into a deal and get value for him? 
Yeah. That to me, Jake, has never made sense that the Jazz would buy out Pat Bev. Yeah, I the and, and you mentioned Phoenix there. Like, I think that was the whole point of getting Beverly as part of the Rudy deal. Like, if you think about it, in this proposed Brooklyn Phoenix deal for Kevin Durant, part of the ask is Mikhail Bridges and a number of other guys, obviously. So if you're Phoenix and you're trying to acquire Kevin Durant and you're shipping those guys out, you don't just not replace those guys. And Pat Bev is somebody who you want on your team, but you hate him if he's on the other team. So to me, Pat Patrick Beverly is not Mikhail Bridges, but he's pretty damn good at playing defense and being a problem, as we all know. So if I'm if I'm Danny Ainge in the Utah Jazz, hell no, I'm not buying Patrick Beverly out. I'm keeping Patrick Beverly until I know unequivocally what's happening with the Kevin Durant deal. And if I can't use Pat Bev as a point of leverage in that deal to get DeAndre Ayton, then I'm going to trade him somewhere else because, again, as he just said, Papev is a fit on essentially every NBA team. Now, he's not going to want to go and play for the Orlando Magic, let's say. They would buy him out. But any contender, any team that is postseason bound would want Patrick Beverly on their team. So that's why I say you're not buying him out. That makes zero sense, logically speaking. What makes sense is to do nothing with him until the Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton situation is worked out for the Utah Jazz. And if they're unable to use him as part of that, or or if that deal just doesn't work out for the Utah Jazz, then you would trade him to another team and get value back. That, to me, is what makes sense. But this nonsense about buying this guy out and just letting him go... It just is. It's wasteful. There's no. There's no point to it. So that's what I think they do with Pat. Yeah, and I, Danny Ainge is not a guy that just gives away assets. I think again, I just go back to what I've said for probably ten years. Danny Ainge is a savvy front office operative. He's not somebody that tends to just cast things off. And by the way, if you don't trade Patrick Beverly, he clearly has value on this team. I mean, I I don't know that culturally speaking, with his history. I don't know that he is a great fit in this in the in this in this town based on the fact that he has stirred up jazz fans quite a bit. Yeah. But if he ever suits up for the Utah Jazz, jazz fans will love him. Yeah. I mean, I and to your point, when he's on your team, you love the guy. Yes. I don't see them buying him out. I I, I just don't. I think when you look at where jazz where the jazz are and what they need, you don't go trade for a guy like that that is clearly in demand, and then just give him away and pay him to be given away. Why would you do that? Yeah, it it, it, it doesn't make a, in my mind, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, by the way, if you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up uh, and a like. Um, it really does help the show grow if you just click that thumbs up button right now. Right now. Uh, that'd be great. By the way, I know it's a new day. Right. Any... Any thoughts on Chet Holmgren? And <laughs> I know that you spent last night pleasuring your <laughs> nether regions, watching Everyone laughed at me. Oh, well, Kevin Durant comparisons are dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. He Chet can't shoot the three. Chet can't, doesn't have a handle. But you didn't see any of that last night. Nobody said that. Yeah, yeah, they did. No. Yes, they did. No. Yes, they did. On draft day, yes, they did. Here's the issue. Right. The two key words there are... are Summer and league. And when you put them together, when you put summer league together and you translate that he from, can only play from Latin who's in front of him. to English, it means it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. Yeah, go find me the summer league MVP who's turned into a league MVP. Or pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. Get out of here! Like it's so all the best players rare. in the league dominated summer league. Oh, all of them. On. Come on, all Lonzo, of them. Lonzo Ball won the summer league MVP. What does it matter? I'm not talking. What's okay, it matter? It, it can be summer league MVP or not. Steph Curry was a standout in summer league. Like all these guys who came out and are now all stars and max guys dominated the summer league. It's the first step. Yeah. Look, and and, and you and would again, be saying you would be vilifying the guy if he had a crappy you know performance, and you would say, "Oh, I told you so." I would like, be. Oh, I'd be. All you know over what I mean? That. So that's why I say, like, absolutely, we can sit here and say it's summer league, but the fact is, is that's all he's got. Who else is he going to play right now? Well, right. I understand that, but yeah. the one thing I over the next two and a half weeks, please, can we not like can. Can He's the like, Jesus oh Christ of basketball, He's bro. He's the greatest player I've ever seen. Did you see and the... just kind of scruff it and oh. play with it when it's wet. Daddy, did you see yeah. the Dirk fadeaway that Chet hit last night yeah. over some guy who's never going to play in the league? He's an assassin. Ever? Oh, oh my God! Like, oh, wow! I'm I'm gonna hold oh. you to the fire when he's dominating in the league. Where's the lube? I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Stop. The Jazz don't. How do I put this bluntly? The Jazz Summer League team ain't talented. I'm not saying they are talented, but I, what I am saying is Chet was very efficient last night and bro, looked good. Bro. By the way, am I the only one worried about Jared Butler still? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably the bigger story. I was not that excited to, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I, come on. Yes. I was not that excited. Chet Holmgren comes out and puts up 23, seven, four, nine, six blocks. And then there's Jared Butler. Yeah, next question. You know, Nikola, yeah. yeah, Nikola Jovic, yep. Dominated. Yep. I, I mean, you, you look at, it is what it is. Uh, Tanner says, uh, I think, it, whoa, comment dump, thank you. Uh, I think Chet will be good, but let's chill out. It's Summer League. Thank you. Thank there you. There we go. Not your normal flatulence. This is, this is the convenient argument. Oh, it's Summer League. It's Summer League. All right, when he's put when he's playing 35 minutes a night and putting up, you know, 25 a night, we'll see what it, it is. Is it Summer League? It is summer league, but okay. he doesn't. Have, who else is he going to play? You want him to go play in the Drew instead of summer league? Like, Alex where's Chacon, he going to go? Alex Chacon says uh, it's summer league. Yeah, it's summer league. I know. Jeremy Bolton says trade Patrick Beverly for Jacob Conover. Yeah, he should have played <laughs> against Boise. So let's get him on the Jazz. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Brett Robbins says uh, Chet will fizzle out like Chris Stapps. Right. That's a comparison I hear all the time. Oh, well, Chet It's a fair comparison. Yeah, he's just that big, lanky MF or weighs 100 pounds if you put like a boulder in his pocket. The difference is is that he's not a Euro. He's a tough player. That's the difference. Hey, man, did you see his Euro step? My God. Suckmyass.com. I mean, like, that was one of those four boxes of Kleenex move where it just keeps going and going, and you're like, wait, let's wind it back and do it all over again. Wow. And then your forearm's cramping. Wow. 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 Well said. Man, that was <laughs> ah, that was um ah, this wow. is just a family show. Uh just a big doofus light post in the corner. <laughs> wow. Holy Billy says L M A F A O. Yeah. Laugh my Yeah. You know. Uh James Knight says, How many G League games have you played, Jake? You always say that, and I'm still wondering. You never played the matter? game. What Listen. what is that like what does that even matter, man? Look, Honestly, I kick the crap out of, you know, those kangaroos and I drink your own Forex gold that I'm never going to send you. And you Bro, still haven't ever about, played man? in the league. So shut up. Yeah. You shut your mouth. Yeah. 
Uh, Hullabilly says Jared Butler was looking like Eric Maynard. Oh, boy. Don't, Eric don't, Maynard. Don't do Jesus. that. Uh, Alex Chacon says the way Jared Butler played is another reason to keep Pat Pav. <laughs> Seriously. That's pretty much self-explanatory. Seriously. You're not wrong, bro. You are no! not wrong. You're not wrong. That's where we are, Alex, and you're not wrong. Uh, Jordan Nelson says, man, if Jared Butler was like four inches taller, his defense would be nice. But yeah, Butler's worrisome. We're yeah, getting somewhere. Four inches is a big deal. Ask your mom. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, right. what are we doing? I don't know. What the hell uh, are we Landon doing? Landon Golar says uh, Caruso in Utah still a thing. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, according to Jeremy Bolton. <laughs> I, by the way, I would love Alex Caruso on this team. Uh, Brett Robin says, I mean, Rudy had a few Euro, Euros now, guys. Okay. Yeah, well. Okay. You know. You know. Hey, Jake, if Chet doesn't work out, which I think he will, will you admit that you were wrong, Tanner Plummer says? Yes. Yes. Hey, guys. Amazing. Yeah, I, I think hey, I've Jake, admitted Jake, that I'm wrong on Jake, things before. Jake, if Michael Jordan doesn't work hey, guys. out. Um, hey, guys. By the way, Michael Jordan on the cover of 2K23. We all excited about that? Yeah, at least he can't blow his knee out. Yeah. Hey, I'm guys. a big believer in the curse. By the way, speaking of 2K23. Yeah. I am not a basketball video game guy. Uh-huh. I am a hockey guy. Right. I am a Call of Duty guy. I I just find 2K to be so difficult. It frustrates the F out of me. Yeah. Like, I'll be Steph Curry, and every shot will, like, rattle out. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, green on the release, green on the shot. Oh, in and out. <laughs> it's like, are you serious right now? And then some dude will come down with, like, Rudy Gobert, and Rudy will go six of six from three. And- um. The fuck? Well, 2K. you know, he can shoot. He should get the ball in every possession, obviously. 2K, my butthole. Uh, Brett Robbins says, or Trent Forrest, truth. Uh, James Knight says, Jake takes the bait every time. Yeah. Probably. Uh, the Blind Swordsman says, Jake, let's see Chet play against the pros. Yeah, we will. That's my point. He's he. Who else is he going to play right now? He only has Summer League. That's his only option. Let me so, ask you something. Yeah. If I buy you a Chet Holmgren jersey. Yeah. Will you will you sleep in it and use and it as a dress? Will every single time. Well, and I don't know about the dress portion, but you know, go a little breezy underneath. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know, cheap you, hotel. You probably would snail trail. Right. Jeremy Bolton says Caruso. <laughs> I just said you said snail trail on our YouTube podcast. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says Caruso to Utah. Hell yeah, the Jazz could use his 0.5 points per game and nine the turnovers. Amen. You know, Lorenzo Miranda says, I came in at the right time. That's yes, what, you did. Yeah so did, <laughs> yeah, so did Jake last night. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Cody Strickland, does anyone get hooked on watching Neil deGrasse Tyson Cosmos and find it so entertaining? No, actually, no. Cody, that's you. So you're saying Neil deGrasse Tyson is your Chet Holmgren in stuff? All right, uh, Brett Robin says, wow, who's this guy hating on Caruso? Exactly, Brett, exactly. Yeah. Jeremy Bolton's a nobody. Yeah. A nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neville 93 says, I love 2K. It's fun if you know how to play. Well, I, so I you, think he just calls so you stupid. Man, he's saying, so wait, like, you saying that I'm saying what you're saying is not what I'm saying <clears throat> in stuff. Is what you're saying. You're yeah, casual. Yeah. Holabilly says NBA Live 06 was the best yes. NBA game I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, what was the one, the one where there was like, he's on fire? NBA 
Jam or something like that. Might have been NBA Jam, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. That was fun. Uh, Giggity says, Monty, that goal you scored on NHL the other day was sick. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, top shelf. Yeah, I taught him everything he knows. Yeah, your mom. <coughs> uh, Jeremy Bolton says, Caruso is a poor man's Gordon Giracek. Wow, really? Really? <laughs> okay. Come on. NBA Jam is the only basketball game I ever enjoyed. It was an NBA Jam. I agree. No, Tyson is my Caruso. Oh, okay, Cody Strickland. Spencer Morgan says, Jacob Conover wears a headband too. Damn right he yes, does. Yes, he does. Spence. Damn right. Yes, he does. Damn right. Uh, M.A. <laughs> wow. This, me. Uh, M. Uh, M. Alvarez says, I find it funny that Ute fans have been crappy to BYU fans because they aren't in the Pac-12. Now they're all about to follow them to the Pac-12. <laughs> Well, M. Alvarez Speaking coming in. Speaking of which. You know, Brett Robbins says jam, yes. NBA jam. Uh, real quick, Dylan Walker, do you think uh, a duo of Don and Aiton could win a championship? Yes, that could be the foundation for a title. Team. I think it could be a foundation, but I'm not going to sit here and say that's all it's going to take. They're going to need a third guy off yes. the wing to really finish it. Uh, one round left says on 2K, if you change the shot release meter to real player percentage, you'll make a lot more shots. Why can't it just be like that out the gate? Why do we got to go into settings and stuff? You know, like, why do I got to, why do I have to enter launch codes for Steph Curry to make, you know, threes like he does in real life? You know, John Downward. Is that his name? John Downard. You know, that guy knew it was NBA Jam. You know, he did. Uh, Gabe Levley, NBA Jam or something. Are you high, Monty? Absolute classic. Exactly right. Texas me. Exactly right. James Knight says 99 cents. Thanks, James. Did you send me 99 cents? I didn't see that come through, James, but appreciate you. Where's my beer now? Uh, if we <laughs> traded Conley, what point guards could we be eyeing after we get Aiton? I think it really depends on on what you get with yeah, the Aiton package, tough. what you send out, like what the rest of the league does. Like That's really tough to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally am with you on that question. I just think it's damn near impossible to answer right now because we just don't know what's of what would be available uh, as part of a Conley deal after the KD Aiton situation goes down. Yeah, totally agree. Um, all right, the Monty Show, we have been talking Utah Jazz basketball. But here's a question I want to ask you. Let's switch to Pac-12 in the saga with Pac-12. Yeah. How important is the BYU-Utah rivalry? And how critical is it that it's played every year? I would tell you it's absolutely critical. It's not optional. It is a game that, in my opinion, simply must be played every single year, in and out. Twice a year in basketball, once a year in football. It's just so important to our state, and I think it's so important to the lifeblood of football in this town. The the recruiting wars, the battles at East High School, the, you know, the, the like, you just need... You need it, that pressure, that passion, that desire, the, the in-home battles, the idiots who wear half blue and half red hats. We need that. And I think that's why it's so meaty and delicious that all of a sudden the Pac-12 is collapsing. And now your biggest question is, can the Pac-12 survive with the exodus of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten and Washington and Oregon applying for membership in the Big Ten. And now you have the Pac-12 doing the only thing that they can do, 
which is try to find more revenue per school. So they're negotiating their TV deal a full two years ahead of time. I just don't see, Jake, a way that this conference can survive. Yeah, and I think this is the price you pay for for having Larry Scott as your commissioner for so long and, and the damage you've done to premier brands like SC or like Oregon or Washington or even Utah. You know, like I think if you really look up and down the Pac-12, I mean, you, you don't have a whole stockpile of amazing teams. I mean, the Pac-12 for for your average college football fan is probably like three, four teams, maybe, if you really think about it. Like, how many people outside of the state of Utah really know just how damn good Kyle Whittingham is at building a football team? Like, how many people outside of the state of Utah, like, know what we have going on in this state and why the Holy War is so important? So when I look at the Pac-12 and I look at the position they're in, I don't blame any of these schools for wanting to make the jump. I think, in fact, it is all on on these guys who run the conference. They've made mistakes. They like wait, when were we at? How long ago was that? We were at Pac-12 Media Day. What has it been? Five years now. Yeah. What was that? Five years ago, we were at Pac-12 Media Day when we were doing the show in Phoenix, and in in Larry Scott literally sat in front of us and said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna have a streaming deal and direct TV contracts, and everything's gonna be amazing." And what did we get? Oh, that's right. You're on Dish Network. I can't watch you and I have no desire to get Dish Network. And it's just, it's this is the price you pay. And I just think that we're, we haven't seen this happen a lot on this level because most conferences like the SEC or the Big Ten or even the ACC with how weak that conference is, how top heavy that one is, they have good TV stuff. And that's the difference. And, and, and to me, you know, not to rant, but it's so frustrating that, that, you know, uh, you get premier matchups in the Pac-12 that nobody on the East Coast gives a damn about. You know, they don't care. Well, let's be like, honest, it's though, just... because they don't see those matchups. Yeah. And one of the reasons that the Big 12 should absolutely want to get at least four teams out of the, the Pac-12 is because it gives you an East to West footprint. It allows you, in my opinion, to have a... You know, again, if you look at the footprint, to have a a BYU-Oklahoma State game that is in primetime, it allows you to have a a, a Utah-West Virginia game that's in primetime. It is so imperative that the Big 12 win teams from the Pac-12 because the worst case scenario, in my opinion, is if the Big 10 were to end up with Oregon and Washington, I think it's absolutely, it absolutely makes the Big Ten the best conference in, in college sports. Even over the SEC. Even over the SEC, because what does the SEC not have? A national reach. And when I talk about national reach, you're not going to get a, a, an 8 o'clock kickoff in Los Angeles with a, an SEC team in December or in November or in October. Right. Right. Whereas if if the Big Ten, let's say the Big Ten, um, you know, has a a an Ohio State, Oregon kickoff at Autzen Stadium at eight o'clock Pacific time, you know, like you think about the reach that adding Pac-12 teams gives to the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. It's imperative, in my opinion, that if the Big Twelve truly wants to compete, and I know they do, but if they truly want to compete. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah is not enough. It's not enough. And I know that seems like an awful lot, 
But if you truly look at what you have, Utah is the only national brand in that entire mix. With all due respect, what's going on at Arizona State right now is crippling to this conversation because the football brand at Arizona State is absolutely dead right now. Yeah. Arizona is a basketball school. And hell, if you add Arizona basketball to the Big 12, I mean, it, it only becomes a better basketball conference. It becomes a great conference instead of a good conference in basketball. But football pays the bills. Yep. And Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado aren't exactly tearing it up in football. And my point is, Utah is vitally important to this conversation. But if the Big 12 really wants to go big, they need to add, or I think Oregon is the prize in the Pac-12 right now. Absolutely. Nationally speaking. Yeah. Well, I think nationally, regionally, any way you slice it, Phil Knight wants to put Oregon in the best position that he can. Mm -hmm. Phil Knight, the founder and current boss at Nike, wants to put Oregon in the best possible position that he can. I think Phil Knight would absolutely love to have Oregon in the SEC. I don't know that the SEC would like to add Oregon, but if the SEC doesn't and the Big Ten adds Oregon, I think you're absolutely giving the Big Ten a chance to be the most lucrative, successful athletic conference in all of college athletics. Yeah. And I know that's saying a lot because the SEC, with what they accomplish in all sports, and I don't mean just football and basketball, what the SEC does in baseball, what the SEC does in track and field, all those things matter. Trust me when I say every penny counts in college athletics right now. But football is king because so many kids aren't playing college basketball anymore. Yeah. And when they do, they play one year. You have no choice right now but to go play college football. It is king. It is always going to drive revenue. We're talking about $100 million per school yeah. per year in the Big Ten. That's major buku dollars. And I don't care who the Pac-12 gets in the bed with. You're not making $100 million per year per school with whatever and whenever you get a TV deal. And to bring this back home, Utah absolutely needs to get to the Big 12. It's got to happen. Put the irony and the 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 BS and the, oh, that team down south. Yeah. This is Pac-12 country. Right. No, it's actually not Pac-12 country and it never was. Right? Like I think... We fully understand, without question, Utah is in a very vulnerable position right now because in all likelihood, you're not an option in the Big Ten. No. You're certainly not an option in the SEC. So you better hope that you end up in the Big 12. You and I think if I, am, if I am the folks up on the Hill, I'm doing everything I can do to secure a partnership with another institution be it Colorado, whoever. Hey, join us. Let's go make our pitch to to the Big Twelve. Yeah, you got. It's got to happen. Yeah, and I think it, I think it's also. I agree. They're they're vulnerable. But I also think on the flip side of that, from a, from a like a silver lining standpoint, I think it's a big opportunity. Like I think you know, yes, you know, this is classic life scenario. Hey, if this doesn't get done, you're going to be in a bad spot. But if you can get it done, you're going to be thriving. You know, and and that's what I think is is so important to talk about here. We saw BYU take the first leap, which I feel like sort of paved the way for, for this whole conversation. And really, this conversation goes back to Texas and Oklahoma making their jump. I feel like this that's kind of what kick-started all this movement we're seeing now. But I think BYU committing and going really was a signal 
uh, that hey, there's opportunity here. Like you're in the Pac-12, which is a which is the worst conference in the country. Like everybody agrees on that. Why wouldn't you make a jump? Why wouldn't you shuffle things up? And by the way, the other thing that I think is at play here is with all this change happening and in realignment and everything. How long is it before the NCA gets dissolved after all this, you know, gets gets handled? Because I think that's also something that's at play on the fringes right now. Like once everything's realigned and everything goes down, like what is the use for having the NCAA at this point? That's my biggest thing. I don't right know. Now. I think that's a very good question. I think that is a that is a very, very good question. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, um, I'd love to have the Utes Hawks swoop turds in the Big 12. Okay. 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 This feels okay. 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 Uh, Greg Hawkins, we won't be following anyone into the Big 12 if we join in the same year. It's a good point. You'll be joining together as one. Right. Combining forces. Keep telling yourself that story, bud. Keep telling yourself that story. <laughs> That's every day. That's exactly right. Uh, Jeremy says, college football rivalries, man. As much as I hate Utah and want them to go 0-12 every year, I still want to play the game every year. I totally agree with Agreed. that. Agreed. Every year. What did it do to this town when BYU beat Utah? Not that not that I like BYU more than Utah or anything. When but is that? When did that happen? Uh, it seems like that never has, – has BYU – I don't think BYU's ever beaten Utah. Has, has that ha- – I mean, if you ask a Ute fan, Utah's undefeated. Don't you know who I am? Anyway, I'm being a jerk now. Uh, I am totally being a jerk. John uh, Downard says, should be played every year. Enough said, yes. Seriously? Yes. Um, And I still like that Jeremy Bolton said, Utes, Hawks, Swoops, Turds in the Big 12. (laughs) I think that's interesting. He also says, I'd rather go 1-9 against Utah than go 0-0. Truth. Seriously? Truth. Uh, Alex Chacon, this, that rivalry has to make more money than any other game or event that comes through Utah. I would gather so. Yeah. I would think so. Tanner Plummer, honestly, I think a good chunk of the state doesn't want to see BYU-Utah rivalry continue. Why? Because the rivalry has gotten really nasty between the two fan bases. It is what it is. But it's a rivalry. It like, is. What would you expect? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, why don't you come over? I, I, go. Let's all meet at Utah Pig Bus and, you know... Well, we'll we'll chop it up and uh, we'll we'll you know we'll play a game of bing bag toss and you, you guys know. Want to kick it. We'll flow. We can't call it cornhole because that has a sexual connotation with Chet Holmgren in town. So why don't we just? Do I said connotation. Chet Holmgren. Like, do you guys see what I have to work with here every day? You chose. We all choose who we lay down <laughs> with. You want to get them Chet Holmgren? Please go right ahead. Uh, Dave Walton <laughs> said Utah State will be better than both. Be- Stop. Get the hell out of here, man. See, Dave. Dude, Utah Dave. State is not. Yes, they're they're important in this state. They're not Utah and BYU important. With all due respect. Greg Hawkins says, my favorite childhood football memories were the Holy War Thanksgiving. So to me, bringing the rivalry game back would be great. And having it have conference leverage would be fantastic. Dude, Greg, why do you have to get all nostalgic and everything? Why do we have to start talking about football games in the fall when the leaves are changing and, you know, there's warm food on the table? And come on, dude. We're, we're can, not ready. I'm you, not ready for that. You can hear the, the leaf blowers and the rakes and... The smoker, Jim the, Nance, calling a college football game. The the smell of uh, Jim Nance doesn't call college football games. Uh, and Vern Lundquist calling college football games. <laughs> anyway, the the smoke out of your smoker is a little thicker and a little more pungent. 
Anyway, <laughs> yeah. This is a tasty burger. Brett Robbins says Dish Network H XD. I agree. Dish has come a long way. Um, I, and I think their their programming packages are great. 801-424-DISH. Call the Dish Pros. Um, they don't advertise on our show. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, LOL, Utah State. Okay, take it easy. I want to try and engage in football chat, but I need a team to support. Any suggestions? The University of Illinois. Thank you. Uh, Greg Hawkins <laughs> says, uh, LOL, Utah State. Utah State. That fits in your brand, James Knight. Support the Utah State Aggies. That's, I mean, it's a fine program. You know, can we call them like ton team up north? You know, Elton, that little team up north. Little team, Elton. Yeah, Elton. 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 There, there you go. go. See Elton. Greg Hawkins says, "LOL, Utah State." <laughs> Kurt Meyer says, "I find it ironic that the Pack are now trying to poach BYU. I thought the Pack had such church and state exclusions. All of a sudden, oh, well, you know, you're not a research institution, so of higher know, learning. Why don't you guys go play with the White Salamander down in the creek?" Like that down in the creek. In the creek, because it's not a creek. Wow. The the but you have to admit, Utah fan, you have to admit the hyperbole <laughs> and the garbage. Oh yeah, look at that. TDS. Uh, have fun down by the river. Have fun. Why don't you guys go back to the Mountain East? <laughs> oh, look at us. We're in the Pac-12. Mountain we're, fun is the name of the game. We're a higher learning institution. <laughs> What do you mean USC and UCLA left? What? Makes me want to puke. Man, hey, we got a cowboy hat. We could. Why don't we go to the Big 12? We love BYU. They're our friends. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. You know, like Joey Smith and the guys down in Provo. Yeah. Did you see that temple they're building over there? And, I hear the bell is nice that time of year. Taylorsville is such a nice place for a temple. You know, we we could go down there and help you guys if you put but in you a good word. You this one. You know, if you, you put in a good word with the guys in Stillwater. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's do this. And as you can see, I'm going through some shit right now. TDS, we never said T to that. What? Those are the disciples down south. You know, like, they, hey, bless up, motherfuckers. What's like, up, you motherfuckers? Know. <laughs> Well, I haven't lost my mind, but I'm not ready to flip the camera around. You've lost your mind. No, I haven't. Yes. No. Mrs. Monty will join us shortly. Pumped. Anyway, that's how I see the Utah fan. Whoo. Okay. Okay. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, James Knight says, how's BYU radio doing these days, Monty? I'm On BYU radio. It's time for the rivalry game. Screw Utah. On BYU Radio. I say I'm just fired up to be here today. All right. Welcome into BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> Tithing since 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Bro. Going, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Wow. Eric C says say this again. Eric C says I made it. How's Monty Town today? <laughs> Dude. Monty Town is in shambles, like the, the outhouse at the end of the street overflowing with Pac-12 dung. It's terrible. Yeah. Butthole. You know, um, wow. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Bolton says, what just happened? Save us, Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, my God. But it, you can't tell me it's lost. I, I cannot be the only well, one. Well, they'll never admit it. Ute fans will, again, with all due respect, Ute fans will never admit that they, they gave BYU a, you know, a, a hard time <laughs> for, like, the last decade. You know, but that's just part of what it is. Again, this is a rivalry. This isn't. This isn't like best friends. This is a rivalry. I, I come on. Like I, I just look at. I just look at all of the the trash talking, and here come the DMs. Please. When you ask them that question, you may get a very Please. unusual answer. How do you? <laughs> Jeff says, "How do you talk about Utah pig bus and not bring up Bam Bams?" You're clearly a Utah fan. I we really doing that oh wow hey man you didn't say bam bam's barbecue and we all yeah, know casual. that makes you a utah fan because you like utah pig boss oink oink mfers <laughs> <laughs> are you really upset that i didn't i like bam bam a lot what are you talking about shout the mobamba bro what are you talking oh dpg steaks please hey can we get some swig over here hey guys like do i have to name like oh it's the new skin New skin. All right. Vivint Smart Home Lavelle Edwards Stadium Field. <laughs> I have to go through like every sponsor of BYU football. <laughs> like, is that where we're at? Wow, you know what? You talk about, you know, drinking beer. Where's Swig? <laughs> on the what? new skin, uh, BYU the, Radio Network. On the BYU New Skin Network. <laughs> That's what this rivalry has come down to. Yes. How are you really criticizing me for saying Utah pig bus and not <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all gas, yes. no brakes? Oh, I mean, I think I, this, this rivalry is I like how know, petty man. can we get on both sides? Because BYU is not is not you know innocent. <laughs> BYU is not innocent. The fans oh, that is. You guys said welcome to the Monty. Welcome to Monty in the morning. Clearly, you're Utah fans. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. How dare you? Yeah, you know. Tanner Plummer says Monty is officially high. I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing cocaine, cocaine and hookers, my friend. How else would you do this job? Yeah, come on, bro. Cocaine and hookers. Yeah. How the fuck else would I you just, do this job? <laughs> James Knight says crack the window or something. You guys have inhaled. We, I cocaine have, is a hell of a drug. I have not inhaled. Who am I, Bill Clinton? Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's funny that the heat and the vitriol it's real. that is involved in the rivalry. It is when real, we're, bro. When we're on barbecue joints. Yes. I just think it's great. Yes. I do. I, I think it's awesome. Yes. I, I mean, um, Greg Hawkins says the paint on the wall hasn't dried yet. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Oh, Mrs. Monty just texted me to say that she has a uh, an 8 a.m. phone call this morning. Well, so now that means that's code word for we're married. You need to hurry up and flip the camera. That's code word for you have 19 minutes and 55 seconds to get the show done. <laughs> uh, Hayden Olson says possibly Mike Conley trades. Could be. Could be. We talked about um, that earlier in the show. Neil Huck says, did you eat paint chips as a kid? I did. Like <laughs> That was my – I didn't have Lunchables. I had paint chips after school. Paint chips and crackers. You know. Uh, Justin Salas says on the BYU network where we have been taking 10% of your money for over a hundred years. <laughs> Could be true. Could be true. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says too much ranch on the old Chipotle yesterday, Mott. Yeah. 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 
By the way, I did have Chipotle for lunch. Line of cane and B12. All right, let's get serious and talk about uh, the influence of podcasts. Well, this is a good transition. Um, yeah, I want to because I want to play this Joe Rogan sound. Yeah, I actually think this is a really important conversation. So, and this might sound self-serving. It's not, honest to goodness. How influential are podcasts and radio hosts or your favorite talk show host in your life? Mm -hmm. Because one of the interesting conversations has been about the misinformation on talk radio. Right. And the guys like Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. who generally does 10 to 12 million downloads a day, and his ability... Excuse me, his ability to get you to take this kind of cure or that kind of cure or that, you know, Aaron Rodgers took this medicine or that medicine because of him. So I want to play this bite. This is Joe Rogan doing an interview on a different podcast talking about why he hasn't had the former president of the United States on his show. By the way, I'm not a Trump supporter in any way, shape or form. I've had the opportunity to have him on my show more than once. I've said no every time. I don't want to help him. Do you really bear the responsibility of the course of our country based on a conversation? I think you can revitalize and rehabilitate someone's image in a way that is pretty shocking. Do you agree with him? Because yeah, that's I mean Joe Rogan saying, essentially saying, hey... Um, I am not putting Donald Trump on my podcast right? because I don't want to help him. Right. Does putting a, a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast help them? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that listeners put a lot of weight into what Joe Rogan has to say. Um, you know, and I don't have a problem with that. I think he has an inherent responsibility. My issue is that I think just like anything else, there is there is a um a bias there's a choice that and, and obviously every podcaster that does a show chooses what they're going to talk about but i think when you've gotten to joe rogan's level of influence you have a responsibility and, and i'm not certainly advocating that he's got to put donald trump on a show or whatever but at the same time i think that i think that joe rogan you know took a ton of heat like let's not forget this is someone who almost got bounced from Spotify for a mixtape that came out of how many times he used the N-word. Like, people haven't forgot about that. So I absolutely think people put a ton of stock into what he says. But I also think his brand is very powerful. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's no doubt about that. But I do think when Joe Rogan talks, people listen. Yes. Yeah. And and I do think that when when you have the kind of influence that he has, I, I do think that he can... He can he can clearly dictate who people vote for. Yeah, he, he can. And I, I hi, this hi. My, that was my knee. Whoa, hi. <laughs> um, he can, and I I can appreciate what he said, but yet he's totally irresponsible. In like, he doesn't want to help Donald Trump, but he's totally irresponsible in half the other shit that he says. Well, and I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think the one thing you have to remember is opinion is different than fact. Has Joe Rogan always been accurate? No. I mean, when that whole thing, the cocoa was going on that we can't talk about and mm -hmm. stuff, I mean, the fact checkers d destroyed Joe Rogan. And it's part of the reason, as, as Jake mentioned, yeah. Joe Rogan almost lost his spot at Spotify because there was so much misinformation coming from his show uh, about the cocoa. But- 
that goes to tell you, in my opinion, I think that's part of his influence. Yeah. yeah. When you have people calling him out, hey, you were wrong about that. If nobody cared and nobody listened, nobody would be calling him out. Exactly. I just think yeah. that I just think if you're Joe Rogan, what you have to be careful of is is like passing your opinion off as fact. Like I think that ultimately is what got him in trouble with the thing that we can't talk about, the Coco stuff. You know, like you can't just say like, oh, well, I'm I'm going to take this because it has better, better, you know, benefits than a government approved, you know, thing that we can't talk about. Like I don't like that's where I think you get in trouble because that's your opinion, not necessarily fact based on numbers. And also because it affects you more positively doesn't mean it's going to affect Joe Schmo more positively. And then when Joe Schmo does what you did and has adverse effects, he's going to come back and say you're liable. And that's the problem. And that's why I think Joe Rogan wants to avoid having Donnie on his show because things tend to go sideways when Donald Trump does interviews. So that's ultimately the issue. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the hard part is that Donnie is very controversial. Uh, but this is, I mean, we were watching a show the other night on, on Vice about the 90s. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you had late night talk show battles and Arsenio Hall put on Louis Farrakhan back in the days and it absolutely destroyed his show and, and wrecked his reputation in the black community. Whereas today, Louis Farrakhan, is he any more controversial than our former president? Is he any more controversial than our current congresswoman from Georgia? Probably not. Um, you know, like it, it, I think we're in an age though, where podcasts are dominating. Yes. And I, I think one of the things that, that is really important to understand is that radio is going away. And one of the things I'd love to see in the comments is how much do you guys, how much does a podcast or a radio host influence your buying decision? How much does a podcast or a radio host influence your voting decision? Because I think I could make a pretty strong argument that it is significant. And one of the things we, like yesterday, we we touched on the tragedy in Highland Park. We got more comments about that yesterday on this show than we did about basketball by far. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many people said, you guys are the best. Thanks for having an honest conversation about it. Um, or the other side and the other half were like, I'll never be back. I unsubscribed. We probably lost 10 or 15 subscribers yesterday because we talked about what happened in Highland Park. Yeah. And frankly, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I understand on a show like ours, we don't do 10 million downloads a day. We don't. We value, that's why we value every one of our listeners so much. It's yeah. why we put your comments on our show. It's why we interact with you on Twitter. It's why we do things like give away PS5s and don't ship them out, Jake. Thanks. It's why we... <clears throat> anyway, the point is, it's why we give away video game consoles and T-shirts and stuff like that. Right. That's why we do that. I think the people, though, who are listening to podcasts, they're not going there for someone to influence them politically. That is all over. You can go CNN, MSA. There is like a news. There is an outlet for political influence everywhere. I think people who are listening to podcasts... Um, and who are going to the internet to get content are going there for an escape. Mm -hmm. People listen oh, to... Oh, no doubt about it. You know, crime, lifestyle, comedy. Monty on BYU. But, you know, I, I, I think there might be a small percentage that is, you know, that they're looking for that influence piece. But overall, I think that people are going for an escape. And that's why it's hard. We had the one commenter who said, come on, I come here to get away from that. 
Um, but I do think we're not trying to tell you who to vote for. I think I think that what what we want to talk about is a social issue that is super important. So yeah, anyways. but I, I I look at what uh, Jameson sent me uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Jameson said I listen to you guys every day. Um, I'm only taking ashwagandha because you guys told me to, and man, it makes a difference. But I only bought it through your Amazon link because you guys told me to. Maybe that makes me stupid or a sheep, but I did what you asked me to do, and I actually do a lot of things you guys do, including smoke chicken wings instead of fry them now. <laughs> Let's go. But, but that's, that is, you know yeah. what, Jameson? I think that's the perfect example where you 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 see that on a regular basis. Like, we, we share affiliate links, which you can find in our descriptions below. We talk to you guys about what we put on our smoker, why we smoke versus barbecue. Like that's what makes the world go round. The problem I think is, is that you have to have trust in a relationship with the people who listen to your show. Yeah. One of the reasons we do not talk about politics on a regular basis is because I don't think A, it's what you guys are here for, but B, I just think it does not... I don't think it serves the greater good to have political battles yeah. on a daily basis. Hey, vote for this guy. Don't vote for that guy. Or like, no. I just don't. When we do that once every couple of weeks, there's a reason. Like it's Highland Park. It's it's very near. We and must dear have to a me. responsibility to talk about it. Yeah, when it's I, on that level. Yeah, I, I think it's really that. important during election season. I think it's really important to talk about that. Yeah. In the middle of summer, when we're trying to figure out who the Jazz are going to trade for, there's not a whole lot of need to talk about politics on this show. Yeah. So let me get some of your comments in here. Fat Jesus says, you complete me. Oh. Wow. There you go. Um, uh, Taryn Powell says, just don't get political. I want sports. Well, I, I, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. You know, like that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We give you sports for probably 90 minutes a day every single day at a minimum yeah and i think that i i think that it's i there's a balance like the highland park thing was not really related to sports but there are a lot of these issues and i'm not going to run down the list but i think we can all agree like there are a lot of issues that are directly intertwined with sports but they're also political but i can tell you i listen to a lot of sports content during the day like listening to the score yesterday in chicago of course they were talking about highland park Listening to ESPN Radio yesterday, they were talking about Highland Park. Dude, it was on Sports Center, man. Listening to like, yeah, listening to um, I was listening to um, ESPN Seven Hundred, um, talking about Highland Park. I was listening to Seven Ten ESPN LA, talking about Highland Park. Like there are just certain topics yeah. that no matter where you are, and gun violence is one of those. When you have a situation where man, it's the Fourth of July, yeah. We're not supposed to be running from some nut job. We're supposed to be enjoying a parade. We're supposed to be talking about barbecues you know? or smokers and brats. Yeah. Like, like it, we're not supposed to be talking about mass shootings. So there are some there are some topics that are gravitational like that. But I think if you listen to this show on a regular basis, we generally don't do... We do far more, hey, what's your favorite food like Oreo versus chocolate chip? Yeah. Like, that's our that's what our non-sports generally is. But I, I think... And, to, to the point here, I do think that podcasts have taken over. Yeah. I think that when you look at it and, yeah. and in the comments section, where do you guys listen to us? Because I cannot tell you how many people tweet and comment, hey, I listen to you when I'm driving to work. Like podcasts have replaced the radio station. K 
and I think one of the important things is consistency though too. Like I think a lot of people, I think some of our success is that, you know, we're here like literally every day, you know? And I think it's different. Like the other side of that is, Hey, when you put out a podcast once a week, maybe you, you build up that desire and that thirst. But I think for the folks that listen to us on the way to work, I think that's part of the, the, the great thing. Cause I know for me, I don't listen to it's on a radio and the few that I do listen to is because they do it more consistently, you know? Yeah. And Gabe Ledley makes a great point about Joe Rogan's show. And I listen to Joe probably a couple of times a week. Um, it gets a little thick for me with like, consp I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy at all. Right. And I feel like he kind of wades into that, but Gabe says the magic of Rog Rogan's pod is the long form conversations with interesting people that explore interesting ideas, concepts, topics more fully than other soundbite driven media forms. Right. Um, he says, I see, I can't see, uh, DT having a focused, thoughtful conversation in that format. So doesn't really fit what Rogan what Rogan's model is. I agree. I can't see our former president having a long form, thoughtful, thorough conversation because he doesn't. That's not how he operates. That's not how he no. is. He is there to get his message out and how dare you question him. Yeah. So yeah. that's why so many one-on-one -on -one interviews with him, whether it's conservative or liberal media tend to be combative because that's just not how he he talks. So right, I agree right. with that. Uh, Cam Harrison says, I enjoy the Monty show better than radio. Good morning. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Thanks, Cam. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Tanner says, honestly, podcast radios don't influence me on who I vote for. My mentality is the people you're listening to do, don't have to influence you if you want them to. Well, I mean, they will only if you only if you do. You know, like, I mean, if you want if you want influence or you want to be influenced by people, you know, I, I mean, yeah, to me, that's that's what that's about. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kurt Meyer says, I get my news and listening viewing off the net and no, uh, and no, I did quit you even though I got, uh, fried yesterday and no, I didn't quit you even though I got fried yesterday. Well, but see, that's one of the things I think is great about our show. And one of the things I truly enjoy about this show is you can show up in our comment section and say anything you want, Yeah, but you're not getting a free pass from, from everybody else in the comment section. Yeah. I've been immunized because yeah. It, you know what? I mean, when, when we, when we get into topics, if you're going to say something crazy or something that is, you know, left to center, I think people are going to get after you in our comments. Congratulations. You know, like I, I, and I, I think that is something that is, yeah, you know, that is something that's very close. Taryn says there is far too much politics in sports, but here's the thing. Yes. Politics and sports are the exact same thing. Politics and sports are the two most competitive mediums in the world. Yep. yep. And you have... And sadly, you have testosterone-filled rage in both sports and politics because they're both male-dominated genres. So I think they run very close to each other. Well, and like Wimbledon's going on. You look at the, the conversation last year was, is Djokovic even going to be able to play? Now yeah. that's not a conversation this year. Totally agree. Eric C. says, just shut up and dribble, Monty. Love when politics comes up in the cult. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Brett Robbins says, shut up and dribble. Yes. Precisely. Um, hey, Mrs. Tanner says, hey, Mrs. Monty, any updates on the RSL podcast? Dude, people want it. Hey, guys. People want it. Ruff's official says, it's amazing how many uneducated experts there are. There are well, a lot. That's a lot. There yeah. are a lot. And that's one of the things, and we talk about this all the time, Mrs. Monty, that you can't just take things at face value anymore because there's no, there's no minimum standard for education to anybody can do a podcast. Anybody, yeah, anybody can do a podcast. Literally anyone. Yeah. But there's no minimum standard for, you know, editorial concepts. 
There's no, and I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on is we don't just talk about something. We don't just throw it out. Generally, we're educated, but our advantage is we've all worked in media. We've all had ethics training. We've all had, you know, editorial bars that we had to live up to. Yeah. So, and I think that's hard to find, frankly. Yeah. It is. We don't teach people that the other problem is we don't teach people how to think critically and value critical thinking. People love to say, I researched this. That does not mean that you weighed whether or not what you found was actually true. No. You just went down a rabbit hole and found some things that aligned with what your thought was. So, you know, I think that's one of the challenges we really do try to look at what what is the truth. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, Taryn Powell says, I agree the most important matters, common sense matters. I'm here for the jazz. I just lean right, but I am from another country, which is totally fine. Yeah. I, think, I mean, where you're from doesn't necessarily matter. Jeff Healy says, stop the politics. That makes your show suck. Oh, well, well thanks, that might be Jeff. your opinion, but I, but I think that, you know, unfortunately for you or, or not, maybe, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, that we're not going to talk about key issues. So, you know, I, I think you just have to understand yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. Hey, hey, Tanner, we're going to be at RSL this weekend. Our, our, who else On Friday is night, I think. Saturday night. I think is it, it is, Saturday yeah. night? I thought it was Saturday. the 8th. I think it's Friday night. Isn't it Colorado? Yeah. I thought it was the 8th. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty Anyways, sure it's one the of those nights. Uh, yeah, yeah, who's going to the who's, who's going, going to the, the RSL match? It's not a game; it's a match. A match. Yeah, get your nomenclature right. Yeah, please. Mrs. Monty, can you please get your nomenclature right? And you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we'll be at RSL the RSL match this week, and I do think it is um, against Colorado, which would be great. It is against Colorado. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So um, that's a, it's all good. Hey, uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for all the comments today. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up and a like. It really does help the show grow. Click that thumbs up button below. Shop our affiliate links from Ashwagandha to our protein bars, Rockstar, you name it, it's all there. Don't forget, Amazon Prime Days coming up. We're going to have to get into that next week, yes. Amazon Prime Days. Next week, we're going to have to talk about what you buy from Amazon. Hopefully, a better showing from the Jazz tonight. We'll have Jazz Summer League reaction tomorrow. Until then, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.